the volume. Hey guys, it's the sessions presented by FanDuel. It's NFL playoff time, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. The app is safe, secure, and so, so easy to use. FanDuel has exclusive offers, boosts, and more all month long. And when you win, you get paid real fast. FanDuel's lots of ways to play, like in the spread, money line, over-unders, team totals, player props, and so much more. And you can jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. Plus, you can combine multiple bets from the same game in a same-game parlay and try out same-game parlay plus. And really great news for moi, FanDuel is now live in Ohio. Who day, baby? I got bets to make and money to make. So guys, use the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia, and Ohio. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org for Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the sessions. I have my first soccer player on the show today. How exciting. And I mean, of course, I had to get a guy from Toronto. Give me a break. Guys, today on the show, I've got Mark Anthony Kay. He's a midfielder for Toronto FC. Um, And just like all around, good dude. Thoroughly enjoyed this hang. Um, Just kind of talking about talking soccer, obviously, talking playing in Toronto, talking making it to the World Cup. This is the first time that Team Canada has made it to the World Cup since 1986. Mark Anthony was not even born yet before this happened. So we talk about you know, what it's like to really hone in and the pressures that an athlete feels in such a a high stakes situation, like heading into something like the World Cup. And let me tell you, he had some really great answers. Very smart man. Good head on his shoulders. Um, Yeah, really cool conversation. I think you guys are going to dig this. And if nothing else, too, I feel like just to shed a little bit more light on if you live in a city where y'all have a soccer team, get out to a game. Honestly, the games are a ton of fun. We've got Cincinnati FC here. The games are great. Stadium's just around uh, the corner from my house. I need to make it out to some games. Uh, But just being able to see like what that energy is like being at a soccer game, a football game, whatever you want to call it. It's a hell of a time. Definitely recommend. I've been to a Toronto uh, game many, many, many moons ago, kind of when the team first came into Toronto. And I remember having an absolute blast. So anyways, let's get into this conversation. This dude rules. This is Mark Anthony Kay. Mark Anthony Kay. Do we do full Mark Anthony all the time? Is it just Mark? Is it M.A.? What do we do? Well, I think my mom will probably listen to this interview. So I think we should probably do Mark Anthony. Mark Anthony. Perfect. I would never offend your mother because she seems like an absolute boss. And we're going to be getting into her in just a moment. Um, But first things first, as I'm doing my research for this interview, Ajax Soccer Club, excuse me, that's where I grew up. 
No way. Yes. I grew up in Ajax. I know. I also like I didn't really realize that like the Ajax soccer club is like such a thing like Wexford. I mean, obviously, you know, you're you're from Toronto. You dabble in all those like GTA areas. But yeah, Ajax soccer. What was that experience like going out all the way uh, 401 East, baby? Yeah, it was uh, definitely a trek for a, you know, a young <laughs> high school kid after always playing closer to home. But uh, it was it was cool. Like uh, Ajax had a good, really good uh, program. They kind of, I think, hoarded the best talent of players in my age group. So it was only right to try and move out there um, to play at that level and at that time. But um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, I didn't hang out much over there. Um, I had a teammate of mine who actually lived in Pickering, which is just a little west, right? And he would pick me up. Like, I would meet him literally at the border of, like, Scarborough and Pickering. And they would pick me up and then drive me to training, drop me back there, take the TTC all the way back to, like, Midtown Toronto. Okay, so you're in high school doing this. That really is a haul. Like, I know in high school, you know what you're doing. And you're, like, you know, somewhat of an almost functioning adult. But still, to get from Scarborough all the way out to Ajax, kind of, like, to your own device, that's... That's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. And I guess like, I don't know. I just was blinded by the fact that I enjoyed, you know, playing soccer so much. So I was like willing to do the trek. My mom taught me really well the T system at a young age. So I was like a pro. I was a pro. I knew exactly what bus to take there, when to get it. And I think that's where like my independency kind of took shape. So I, I enjoyed that, that time in my life for sure. Did you ever have any moments, though? Because I've got to imagine while going to school, playing soccer, doing all these different things, did you ever like fall asleep on the TTC and like miss your stop and end up somewhere you weren't supposed to be? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm sure it happened. I was a very alert kid. Just the way my mom taught me, like I was hyper aware of everything around me. So I'm sure it definitely happened. Maybe like on the TTC train, I might have fell asleep. But on the buses where people are constantly coming on and coming off, I was like so hyper aware. So, um, but yeah, it was definitely, uh, it it was weird. I would get home at like maybe, you know, like just before midnight. And like I would still finish my homework and then go to school in the morning. And I was, I'm really proud of that little kid because I think of schoolwork now and I'm like, I don't want to even think about it or do it. So he, he definitely had it down packed. You know, learning a little bit more of your story and of your background and learning about your mom and knowing that she was going to school and working multiple jobs and raising you and your twin brothers. Were you aware of all of the work that she was doing? Like, like how much of that do you even take in at that age? Or you just kind of take it for granted. I think I took it for granted, you know, and I think that's why um, I'm so passionate about giving back to my mom and really making that a part of my brand now as I move forward in my life, because my mom did a really good job of sheltering me from the difficulties she had to go through. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I assumed work was all fun and games, you know, (laughs) adults go to work. It's fun. It's like kids going to school, not knowing that my mom's working two jobs and me and my brothers at like after school programs because she can't pick me up until six 30. So yeah, it wasn't until I got older and I I went to college, I left the house and then I started to realize what real life kind of is like for an adult. And I was like, wow, like I need to really give a lot of thanks and gratitude to my mom for what she's done. So it definitely hit me later on in life. And I was I was blind to it when I was younger. It's really crazy to like I have a daughter now. She's a year and a half. 
And now for me, like, you know, to a similar point, but like raised by like, you know, essentially a single mom. My dad was around, but I was with my mom most of the time and for her to work multiple jobs. We played sports like I was out doing a million different things. I had no idea the things that she was going through while like taking us camping and taking us on little trips and like doing stuff like I don't know how the hell she managed to pull that off. So like hats off to the moms. Yes. Hats and dads. Off to the moms. Dads do and it parents, too. But like yeah, single parents. Yeah. Yes. Parents in general. Hats off to you all. Um, OK, so your love of soccer, you didn't actually start playing soccer until you're about nine years old, right? Yes, correct. I mean, I don't want to say that's late. You're nine. You're still a child. But a lot of kids really start like four, five, six, really young. Um, what was that first moment of putting on those cleats or those boots and stepping out onto the pitch? I was eight years old. I think it was grade three at the time. Um, and I would just play soccer in the schoolyard. My school at the time, young in Davisville, didn't even have grass it was just pavement. So every day I look at my legs now before I wrote training and I see all the scars from that. But, um, you know, it was one of my classmates. His father was an assistant coach for Wexford. And he reached out to my mom and said, hey, like Mark Anthony's a really good player. Like you should come join the team. And I had no idea how it worked. You know, I didn't know how organized sports worked. I would just play in recess. And that was my World Cup. Like by yourself? No, no, with my with my classmates and stuff. Maybe sometimes they didn't want to play with me because I was too competitive. But yeah, so I remember going to my first organized practice. It was like a tryout kind of thing. And it just took off from there for me. And I was like, I never not want to be in a situation where I could compete and it's organized. And yeah, I made the team. And from there on, it was just like a blur. I just never remember my life being any different. I'd always go to training like twice a week and always get picked up or I'd bike to my friend's house and they would drive me. Um, but yeah, I started late, but it, it, it didn't really hinder me in any way. Like it was, I think it was all brewing up from, from four to nine years old. And then finally I just let it all out once I was able to get out of the Especially like that competitive side of you. Are you competitive about other things as well? I've grown to give up that side of it, uh, especially with my wife now. Like she's very competitive. So I'm like, you know, I have soccer to fulfill that for for, for me. So I, I need to not be like that all the time in the house because I don't think it would be great. What do you guys compete over? What are like the husband wife competition? <laughs> who cooks better? Who cleans better? Who drives better? Driving better. Is, that is a huge competition, I think, for any anyone in a marriage or a relationship. Uh, and then you have 10 examples of how oh this person God. doesn't drive well and they have examples <laughs> of you. So I've learned to, to dance my competitiveness that's not around um, soccer. <laughs> it's so funny you say that. So the other week, my husband and I were out and he's an athlete as well. And he gets competitive about certain things. But I, I like saw a meme the other day. It was like marriage is basically your wife going <gasps> gasping every time your husband's driving and then him just continually getting annoyed. But we were driving and it was the Cincinnati Bengals were playing. So there was like tailgating happening everywhere. And we're in this like tiny little outdoor parking spot. And we just couldn't get out. We, there was no way to get out. People had the tailgates down on their trucks and people are grilling. So the guy actually like moved his truck to like try to let us out. My husband, there was no way he was getting the truck out. So I was like, can I get in there and try it? And he was like, yeah, and he did it. But as, as soon as because I got the car out and I was like, oh, am I going to hear about this later? Did I just like completely emasculate in front of all these people? Luckily, he didn't care. 
Thank God. Thank God. But sometimes that competitive streak can definitely take over at home. I think it goes both ways. Like it, like, you know, like my wife is trying to put a bed together because we just moved into our new place in Toronto. We had this bed in storage for a couple of years because we didn't need it when we were in Denver. And she's at home trying to be Bob the Builder, <laughs> doing it by herself. And I'm like, hey, babe, did you look online to like see if they have like a manual where you can follow it? And she's like, oh, no, I, I've looked everywhere. I, I, I've looked for 20 minutes. So I'm like, OK, just send me like the company name. I'll have a look. 30 seconds, I find the manual, I send it to her, you know, <laughs> and I know it's kind of like burning inside her where she's like, how, how do I look for 20 minutes? And it goes the same way where like, yes, I'm struggling with something. And she'll be like, oh, let me have a try. And the part of me is like, oh, if I give it to her, she gets it like it's going to burn. <laughs> so, yeah, it goes both ways. Ah, uh, it's so great. Um, OK, so side note, because you guys just bought a, you bought a house in Toronto or you're renting. OK, yeah. what is it like? Being, I mean, obviously you're an athlete, you're making good money, obviously, but like Toronto is such a gnarly city to be in price wise. What is it like being an athlete and having to live in a city that is so damn expensive? It's not enjoyable. It makes it feel like all your hard work to get to where you were in your career financially means nothing. And I'm from Toronto, right? So I understood that it was always going to be a city that was going to grow in that market. But like, the prices are absurd. And when I see the stats of like how much, you know, the average household has to save to pay for a, a mortgage and all, and I'm like, we are so lucky and we still feel like strangled a little bit. So it's unfortunate. I think we're going to do all our real estate stuff in like the US, just better market, California. We like California, but yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Not that California is cheap, but Toronto is, can be really brutal. That's how you know how expensive Toronto is. If the place I want to, put my money in is California. So it tells you a little bit. It's really, I was talking to um, Soraya Tinker. She's a female hockey player in Toronto. And she was saying the same thing of like, when you are an athlete and like, it's especially a female athlete who are not making nearly as much money sometimes as what like some male athletes are making. And you're living in this like big metropolis city where you want to be because that's like where the city is and where the fans are and all that. But it sometimes can just like put you in such a chokehold trying to like live and get ahead and, and all of those things, it can be really scary. But on the plus side, Toronto, as a sports-centric city, as you know, growing up there, living there and playing for, for, the, for the soccer team out there, what is it like having that fan base being in Toronto? No, it's good. Um, again, like I started my soccer journey as, like I was in grade seven, I think, when TFC first became a team. And I didn't really participate in a lot of the Toronto FC things because they weren't good at the time, you know. Um, and there was just European football. You wanted to focus more on that. You didn't really want to watch MLS games. But um, coming back now to the city after seeing the growth, it's really cool. Like people love Toronto FC. And I have to get used to figuring out how to move through the city um, quietly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because it is a very busy city that people will recognize you. But the fans, I played in Colorado and I, I, I love Denver as a city. It's a beautiful place. But fans make your experience so much better. You know, you feel more alive. You feel like you're actually a part of something. And that's what Toronto gives you. And you know that with all the other sports teams. Like you look at the Leafs. Yeah. Like the Leafs have fallen every time in the same place. 
and their fans are loyal. Rabid. Loyal to the death. Rabid. You know what I'm I saying? Know, to a fault. So to a fault. So it's good that TFC is getting that way because soccer is growing. And for us as soccer players, you know, growing up, it was always like soccer is not the sport of choice. But now to see my city embrace it, um, it feels it feels really good. What team did you watch growing up? I watched Manchester United growing up. Okay. Okay. In England, yeah. Yeah, my mom got me into that. So that's my favorite team. So I still, you know, big European football kind of guy. And now it's different because I have teammates, national teammates who play in these leagues and stuff. So it's like, oh my God, they're playing against like my fanboy club. <laughs> but, um, but MLS has grown immensely. So uh, it's a little different now because I play in the league. I don't really like watch it as a fan, but it's a different, it's a different time right now for MLS, which is good. What about your time in Colorado to to be playing out there, playing in that altitude? What the hell does that do to you? Like, I can imagine any athlete out there, but especially the cardio that you guys do. The, oh, my. What an advantage to like living there, having that home turf advantage. I mean, I feel like there's nothing else. No other city like that. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is an advantage once you get through it yourself. I remember my first couple of days there, just I was staying at a friend's house, uh, a teammate's house until I found a place and just walking up the stairs from the basement, like you get lightheaded out of breath. <laughs> I was like, what is this place? Like, is this, and they're telling me, oh yeah, you got to hydrate when you get here because there's altitude sickness. And I just couldn't understand it for a while. I remember my first training session, I thought my heart was going to literally fall out of me. Um, but you're right. It is a, a massive advantage because I remember when we play teams, like they would die by like the 60th minute, you know, and you take advantage of that. So I always say, I think that's one of the biggest home field advantages in our league is in Colorado, but it was nice. Colorado is a beautiful place. It is. It's very beautiful. Like beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And everyone is so nice and kind and everyone has dogs, you know, it's a very dog friendly <laughs> <Yeah>. place. <laughs> um, and people love the outdoors. Like the parks are always full, like a summer day in Colorado. There's not many other places in the States that I would rather be. So it was, it was a very enjoyable experience. It's so, so nice there. It's funny. We were just there three weeks ago, maybe. Um, there was like a really gnarly snowstorm, but I had not been to Denver in some time, but yeah, same thing. We're there. I work for a wrestling company. Um, so we were out there and yeah there's signs everywhere hydrate 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 like my husband's a wrestler and like I don't think he wrestled that night and he was like always happy to be like I'll just go out there and cut a promo and just talk I don't need to wrestle in this altitude because then you have a cocktail in that in that altitude oh, oh my gosh. look out yeah that'll yeah. get you that's not a good uh, thing to <laughs> no. put together that's for bad sure bad combo bad bad <laughs> combo bet the NFL playoffs with FanDuel where every play is a rush this weekend, FanDuel is giving all customers a no-sweat same-game parlay during the divisional round. Doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or you already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your NFL playoff same-game parlay doesn't hit. Same-game parlays let you combine all of your favorite bets for a chance at a bigger payday. We're getting that money. Ching, ching! Now you can even ride with thousands of other fans and get popular same-game parlays that have already been made for you. So if you're new to FanDuel, join now with the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, to see for yourself why it's America's number one sports book. And if you already have a FanDuel account, you can start building your no-sweat same-game parlay today. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia, and Ohio. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org for Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Um, Okay, so World Cup. First World Cup appearance for Canada since 1986. You were not even born yet. Just walk me through this. Walk me through like, you know, realizing that you guys were making it to the World Cup, what that whole experience was like, going to Qatar, all of it. First off, yeah, amazing experience. Sometimes I don't have words to really capture the moment properly, but we knew it was going to be a long journey to get there. We had to play 21 games to qualify. And it started right after COVID. I think it was the beginning of 2021. But that was like our journey to get there. Once we got to the final stage, we were so confident we were going to make the World Cup. Like not one day did we doubt our abilities. And as the qualifying went on and there was only like maybe five games left and we were sitting top of the table, it started to really sit in our minds that, wow, like we're going to do it. Like we're going to get to a World Cup. And on, I think it was in March of last year when we qualified, that was probably like the biggest moment I think for all of us because it was like a sigh of relief that like this thing that has been looming over our heads for so long even before we were born is like evaporated it's gone you're gonna see Canada's flag at a world cup we were just on cloud nine and (laughs) it's just funny how it works as an athlete like you sometimes don't take a moment to you know the saying like stop and smell the roses Because like, you're like, yeah, like we made it. We're excited. We're happy. Our family's here. But then it's like, oh my God, like we have to like now work really hard to make the roster. So that was my mindset. It was like, yeah, we got Canada the World Cup. I did it with my brothers. It's amazing. Then I'm like, oh my God, like I have six months in this year to like make sure when the roster's announced in November, I'm on that roster. Because then I'm thinking like, I feel this great emotion now. But then I want to feel this great emotion again in six, seven months. And it's scary as an athlete. You're just thinking as the next thing, like, all right, what's the next task? What's the next challenge? So um, that's like the real part that I don't think people will understand. You know? That's very stressful. I mean, what are the conversations you guys are having amongst each other? Some of the guys whose name isn't called like what? what? There's so much work put into that. And it's so it's high stress, high anxiety. Like I. I've never seen that many grown men anxious on a daily basis because they knew that one little injury could stop you from going to a World Cup. A bad performance could lead to another bad performance. It's like everything was heightened for that year. And yeah, you're right. Like there are guys who were with us on the journey that didn't make the roster. And that's like your biggest fear. You know, I feel for those guys and they were, they were, they were with us, you know, in spirit. But um, yeah, once you get to the World Cup, oh, then it's, it's on amazing. like Donkey Kong. Oh, Let's go! Yeah, it's it's amazing. <laughs> you have nothing to lose. You're like you're like a wild cat getting ready to get out of a cage, right? Because you know there's expectations, but you can't really fail because 
everyone is excited you're there. So um, that was a cool experience to, to train really hard for those 12 to 13 days, trying to do as much as you can to get fit and get ready for these games. But then also like enjoy the moment of like seeing these stadiums, massive stadiums. And the cool thing is you see them when they're empty the day before, and then you see them the next day when they're packed. How crazy is that moment to be able to go into a stadium? And like, it really is like I've been able to experience that in certain scenarios as well. And to be able to walk in and just kind of see like before the energy is now pumped into this building, before it's game time, before the clock starts ticking down, like what were those moments like for you to be able to see both sides of that? Yeah, I think for me, it was really important to have that moment to myself in an empty stadium just because it kind of brings everything back down to earth. And it's like, it's just a stadium that's surrounded by a soccer field. Like you're walking on it like a normal day. There's stands, there's a goal, there's the halfway line, there's the bench. Like reminding yourself that like you've been here before. The location is different, but you've been here before. So to have that moment and to try and visualize you feeling comfortable in that moment, I think was really important. And then the next day when all the, like you said, all the energy is there and the fans, it's like, like for me, I would just smile. Like I was just smiling. Like I would walk out before warm up and I'm just like looking at all the supporters from different countries, loud, the lights are on. It's the big occasion. And I'm just like smiling because I'm like, wow, like this is something you've dreamed of to embrace this moment. That's the big moment before you play the game is like walking out and being like, almost welcomed by the world. And I would just smile. I just had like a big smile on my face because I'm like, wow, like, you know, I did it. Like I didn't play as many games I wanted to at the World Cup, but I'm like, I'm here. This is what I wanted, you know? That was really important. I'm glad that we did that stuff. When the game, the whistle blows, it's like, it's game time and it's just another soccer game. What is the prep like? Uh, you said, you know, the 13, 14 days, however many days it is, where you really kind of hunker down and you're getting your body where it needs to be, your conditioning where it needs to be. What does that look like? How regimented are you? Luckily, because we were in so many um, national team camps leading up to the World Cup, like it's very routine. You're, you're, you're used to it. But I think the biggest thing is like your heightened awareness about how important everything is now, right? So it's like training is still training, but there's more intensity in it because you realize like the reward is so much bigger on the other side. So you don't want to leave anything up to chance. Your hydration, like probably the amount of water bottles we went through is like <laughs> astonishing. <laughs> Your sleep, like yeah, everything is yeah. on point, you know, because you just don't want to like have any regrets. So in that moment, like I said, like it's, it's a normal routine, but you're just putting so much more into it. And like the training sessions, like for me, I felt like I was on a different level, like of my concentration and focus, like for every little detail in training, I was so focused. And the crazy thing is I actually spoke about this at like a rookie symposium for the MLSPA. It was like, I worked so hard for those days, like best training mentality and best training like output I've had in a long time. And still when I got on the field against Morocco, there was like a five to eight minute spell where I needed to like adjust to the game speed. I did everything right. And it wasn't like from, from minute zero, I was like perfectly into the game. It's still, I had to adjust. So it's like, you can do everything to prepare, but a game is still very different. What about the psychological toll that takes of Doing, you know, your body is capable of doing all of these things. But like you keep saying, it's like that pressure is constantly knocking on the door of this is a different scenario that really nobody's been in since 1986. 
So what, yeah, what was like the psychological toll that you guys were going through? Like you specifically? It was a lot. It was a lot. And athletes, we don't speak about it as much. It's becoming a little bit more normalized to talk about the difficulties mentally of just dealing with pressure and dealing with the situation you're in, dealing with being away from home, but you still have responsibilities to take care of your family. You know, uh, for me, I was lucky enough to have added like a mental coach. So I was able to have like calls with him every week. We actually had calls maybe every two days at the World Cup, but to make sure that I had someone to like kind of vent to and speak to about, you know, things that are concerning me on a daily basis, like knowing I'm not going to play a game, whether when I know I feel I should be playing a game or having a really good training session and not feeling you're getting the, the respect from certain people, you know? So there's all these little things, but I had somewhere to put it out into, you know, and he helped me big time because then we would talk about it. We would deal with it. He would make sure I know he values, you know, my opinions and what I'm going through. And I was heard. Then we would make a plan on how to deal for the next day. So I was able to unpack everything mentally and then make a plan for the morning and just go through that cycle. And I know a lot of my teammates didn't have this, but like, I don't think I could have survived in that environment without having like a mental coach who was like fully focused on like my mental health because it's so draining and you could get very depressed by like the amount of anxiety and stress that is related to like this one tournament because it's so big. Everyone's lives or jobs depend on it, you know? So it, the psychological toll was, was, was huge. And um, I just hope that now in sports, people will talk about it a little bit more. Maybe it'll be more of like a common practice where clubs or teams have people that players can go to, to just strengthen that because we work on our body. We strengthen our body. We do conditioning. Like you're saying all these things, but then it's like, what about like the brain and, you know, and the mental side of it? So yeah, if I didn't have him, I don't know how I would have survived. It really is a lot. I mean, like you were saying, I mean, you know, you can be worried about like the how am I going to perform? How am I going to do this? But then you add in the idea of what if I get injured, which usually a lot of times when that becomes a thing that you're focused on, that's when you are going to get hurt. Like you you like almost will these things to happen a little bit. Um, but so smart of you to like already have that person like on your team ready to go. But I think that would be such a smart idea for like any sports club to have someone like that on staff. Have a few people like that on staff. Let's like let's get to talking. And the thing is, I think it needs to be more for the players, like by the players, because I think like the national team, like they our national team had, I don't know what her role, her title was, but surrounding the whole mental part of the game. And there's always that feeling of maybe not being safe with this person because they are hired right. by the team. That's a really good just, point. Yeah. They tell you like everything is confidential, but you're like, like, are you going to go to the coach? So the fact that I had my own guy that he only cared about me, he didn't care about anything else other than me. So like, it was easy for me to have those conversations, but I do think teams are doing it. They just need to understand that like, maybe there's going to be some resistance at the beginning from players. No, that's a really good point. You're right. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, you're like, who do you work for? <laughs> who are you talking yeah. to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's really lock this conversation up a little bit, please. Um, but for World Cup, for you guys to be the first time since 1986, but also to have the women there, 
to have uh, the the Canadian women's team there. Um, What did that mean for you guys to be able to represent together? And like, how good is that for the sport specifically in Canada? Oh, it's massive. It's massive. It's about time we caught up to them, you know, because they've been leading the way for a long time in, in, in the soccer world. And it's just for the growth of the game in Canada, I think it's very imperative that both national teams are representing at the highest level. So, you know, sure, it was our time in the in the light right now, but like the women's team have been doing this for, for a very, very long they've time. So I'm glad it. that yeah. <laughs> they've been doing it. They've been doing it. So finally, we, we followed in their footsteps. But, you know, um, they support us and we support them. And, you know, their World Cup's coming up. I think it's in Australia or New Zealand or something like that. So we're very like bound together especially because of the new equal pay deal that was struck with the US team. Like we're trying to make our own too. So through our success, they get success. And through their success, we get success. So it it really brings us together. And I think it'll help the country. You know, there's little girls who've been watching them for the longest time. And now there's going to be little boys who can also match that dream because they've seen a a men's team in a World Cup. So uh, it's a good it's a good moment for Canada soccer for sure. I kind of love hearing that because it's always the other way around. Of like, finally we get to see the women doing something, and now these little girls can aspire to do something. But it is funny to see it kind of flip flop the other way for for young boys that might not have imagined soccer as being a career for themselves and the goals that they they could kind of set for themselves. It's really really cool. Um, so you guys had to uh, had to defeat Jamaica to push through to get through to the World Cup. Did you have any mixed emotions about that? Your mother's from Jamaica. How did she feel about that? What were those conversations? Not really. I think so. We played Jamaica. I think the first time we played Jamaica was in 2018. And I think that was the first time where there was a little bit of a conflict of interest that I felt uh, because I was like, yeah, my mom's Jamaican. You know, my whole family's Jamaican. And here I am suiting up for Canada, like wanting to beat Jamaica. That was my first introduction to it. And we handled it really well. And my mom like was very adamant that like she supports Canada and that she supports me. So it was never going to be like that in this game to get into the World Cup. So my mom is like diehard Canada fan. Oh, I love Just that. Just red, the yeah. color red, you know. <laughs> She's still Jamaican, but like we've never really supported their national team. So it was a very easy thing for me to be a part of beating them getting us into the world cup (laughs) mom does the right thing all the time your mom sounds like an absolute badass um does she get to come out to all of your games she does now she does now um when i was living in la i flew her out a couple times just for her to get that experience but now being at home she's at every game she loves it she eats it up she eats it up what was that la experience like for you just to have sort of that more celebrity attachment to obviously being in Los Angeles, but now all these people want to come out to the games and they want to be seen and heard and all those things. What's that experience like uh, as opposed to being in Toronto? Again, I didn't know what to expect when I first got to LA. Obviously, uh, you think of LA, you think of Hollywood, right? So I didn't know how soccer was going to be received. And because I was at the club from the beginning, I was able to see that the club was trying to create a real authentic relationship with the city of LA. So it was very easy for me to not get distracted when they brought all these actors, TikTokers, celebrities to these games, because I understood the real brand message they were trying to put out. But LA was, 
it was definitely new for me because I moved from Louisville, Kentucky to Los Angeles. So there's a big culture big shock there. Yes. yes. 2018, I was very low key, you know, lived in Pasadena. I think I went out maybe like two or three times. <laughs> um, and 2019, I moved and I was living like right by the Staples Center. You know, I had a group of teammates that were all around my age. Um, and we did enjoy the lavish you know, stuff that LA has to offer, you know, the nightlife, the going to events and meeting all these people. And it was fun for a certain amount of time. But at the end of the day, it's like, it gets very tiring and it gets old, sure. you know, but I loved my, my time in LA, like that, that city for us, for an athlete, that city for sports teams in general is like the best place to be. And our owners were amazing, too. So that made it even better. I was just watching um, the Shaq documentary on HBO. Um, and he's talking about, you know, when he went from Orlando out to playing with the Lakers and like how different that was for him to like adjust. I mean, obviously, Shaq, Shaq, he's into a little bit of everything from rapping and movies and all of these things. But to like have his team have to be like, all right, we got to like really focus back in and him talking about like being at games. And you've got like Jack Nicholson there and. They rattle through all these different like celebrities and him like having that realization of like, OK, they're here to watch me play. Let me give them a show. Let me show them what I do and to like really lock into like that other level of athlete that he was able to do. Did you ever have like any moments like that of like so and so's here? Oh, my God. or Like somebody that you like really admire or anything like that? I think a little bit. I think because I was so young in my career, I really wanted to make a name for myself. And the only way to do that was kind of from my on-field performance. So I didn't really let anything get in the way of that. But yes, there were moments like like Will Ferrell is, you know, an owner, right? Magic Johnson is an owner. We go to like a, a team gathering at one of the owner's houses in Beverly Hills. And Will Ferrell is like the MC. Like he's not even trying to be funny. But everything he says, <laughs> I'm laughing. Like, I'm just laughing. I'm like, it's got to be funny. It's Will Ferrell, you yeah. know? And <laughs> so when we were at the stadium and stuff and these people would come, like, I think if, you know, maybe if Drake showed up, maybe I would have got distracted. But a lot of these other people, like, I, I value what they do in the entertainment business, but I was able to focus. I mean, I feel like you still run the risk of Drake showing up. I mean, you're in Toronto. We know well, he goes down to the Raptors games. Yeah. He's kind of out and about. I I'm mean, waiting. I'm, wa I'm waiting for it. You know, I think he needs to go. be a little bit more involved in, in soccer in Canada. Yeah, I mean, he really wears Canada and Toronto on his sleeve. So I feel like if he really wants to encompass all of those things, he's got to get on board. Let's go. So we did meet him after we qualified. We did have a moment where we met him. He can do a little bit more. I know his schedule's busy. So, but if he can find some time to slip us in. He's fine. It's not like he has like, you know, a season to play. He's, he, he can pick and choose yeah, his off days. exactly. <laughs> Come down and hang out. Let's go. Um, okay, so you're playing. You're doing all these things. Everything's going great. What do you want to do after soccer? And I would just like to add my two cents before you chime in because already having this conversation with you, you're very charismatic, very great talker. Do you want to be on the broadcast side of things for soccer at all? You would really knock it out of the park. It's funny you say that because I just came back, like I said, from MLS Media Marketing Day. It was in San Jose and we went to the Apple Park and had a lot of good 
conversations that I think will give me future opportunities um, when my career is done. Obviously, yes, I know the broadcasting part of it. Like I do like talking, so that that helps with that. But I am getting <laughs> um, interested in, you know, a management role within sports, within a club. I would like to, you know, see if I can piece together an amazing team or amazing club. So there's that part of it too. But um, I'll wear a couple different hats as my career winds down. But broadcasting, definitely, I would like to do some sort of TV personnel stuff. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a lot of charity work. I already have, you know, my mission and the name for the charity and the foundation. I just haven't like even released it to anyone because, you know, me and my wife still got some stuff to work on. When's that gonna launch? Do you know yet? I don't know yet. I think I need to talk to people who have done it. But my plan is to create an authentic following so that people really know what's important to me. You know, so I already work with a single mother's charity out in Santa Clarita. Like my goal is to build up that relationship, then start a new relationship with a charity in Toronto, my hometown, and then kind of start to branch out more so that when I do start my foundation, like people already understand that like, this is something I've been working on for a long time. But yeah, I I know there'll be some good job opportunities for me. I'm going to have to be strategic about what I choose because it'll be my wife's turn to you know, kind of lead in that way. I can't always be the one on the road all the time. So that will be a big decision that I have to think about. But yeah, we'll see. I love that. It's fun. I wasn't even thinking about asking you that. But as we're talking, I'm like, God, this guy would be a really great broadcaster. Like, let's get that going. You, Yeah, you'd Thank kill you. it. Thank no, you. I appreciate that. <laughs> It'd be cool. Um, Steve Nash, what's his big involvement with uh, with Soccer Canada right now? I'm a huge Steve Nash fan. What a lovely human being. Yeah, he's super nice, super nice. Uh, I don't know his direct involvement with uh, with Canada Soccer. I actually had the, the chance to train with him a couple of years back in LA at the LA Galaxy's uh, you know training field. I mean, he got a chance to train with you. Yeah, you know, he's I mean, good. You are the soccer player. I'm sure he he's is. He's good. He's very good. You know. So um, yeah, I don't know much other than the fact that he's like a massive, iconic sports legend for us Canadians. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And he's he's done a very good job to stay relevant um in his sport. So but in terms of soccer, no, I don't know too much about Not what much. he's oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I mean I was just kinda like hear his name sort of swirling around with it and I was like, I don't really know exactly what he does or like what his role is with that, but maybe something on the West Coast, like in Vancouver or something like that. It's funny when there's athletes that are really great at multiple sports. Are you good at multiple sports or is soccer your one and only? I would like to think I'm good at other sports, but maybe not the level of Steve Nash. (laughs) (laughs) What what else do you play? Did you play hockey at all growing up? No, I didn't play hockey. I grew up with all hockey players. I just never got into it. But uh, I was I was decent at basketball. Again, not like Steve Nash. Like, I don't think like I'd be able to go to an NBA like shoot around and <laughs> hang out with those guys. Yeah. But um, basketball was huge for us in Toronto growing up. Just it was easy to play. Everyone loved to play basketball. Hockey is expensive as hell. I could never go to my mom and ask her, hey, can I can I join a hockey team? No chance. And plus, I was so delayed in the development. It wasn't like soccer where like I could play in the schoolyard and still gain some skills. Like I was so delayed, like the stick handling abilities. Like we would play hockey in gym class, like ball hockey. 
And I was just like, yeah, I'll just be the goalie. Like I just played in that because I just couldn't handle the puck, you know? And it was just all the hockey players were great at soccer. They were able to do everything, you know, like one of my friends who plays in the NHL, like he was a really good soccer player. Tom Wilson plays for the Capitals. Like me and him, like used to go toe to toe in soccer. And then he's like, yeah, I'm actually better at hockey. I'll go make the NHL. It's like, okay. It's such a trip. It's so crazy. There's a guy that plays for the Bengals that like, yeah, he played for the Pittsburgh Pirates for a little while and then like had an injury. And he's like, I'm going to go pick up football now. It's like, no, you're like, like, I just don't understand how people like excel at such levels like that. It's nuts. It's like superhuman strength. Um, do the athletes from different teams, do you guys all like kind of rub elbows and hang out together at all? Yeah, um, because the MLS is a very tight-knit community and guys get shifted throughout the league a lot. So whether it's your national team teammates who play on different teams, then whenever you guys are like, you know, whenever you're together, obviously, those are your teammates. But when like I've played for three teams and I feel like I know all 300 players within the league. It's just, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, I don't know. It's just weird like that. You know, like I said, if you go back yeah. to this, like MLS media and marketing day, like, you know, everyone who's there, like, you know, and you can have a conversation with five different groups of players. So I think it's pretty cool. We're all around the same age too. MLS is very young. So, but yeah, we do rub elbows with, with the other teams. Oh, uh, good to know. I love that. That's cool. Um, okay, so before I let you go, um, I would be remiss to not talk to you about Pele, the, the passing of Pele recently. Um, I mean, obviously, the impact that he's had on the sport. What's like your memories of being able to watch him and just the effect that he did have on soccer? Yeah, for me, growing up, like he was the most spoken about player from from the World Cups, like what he was able to do with Brazil, young guy going in, scoring goals. The thing that stood out to me is he was always smiling. I don't know if they only posted photos of him smiling, but he was always so passionate and excited to like play this game, you know, so much joy eluded him. And for me, like he was kind of like a God in a sense, what he was able to do, how he was able to bring a country together. And also like we should talk about like he, a black man, you know, in a sport and very, he was very dominant. So for us, for me as a young black athlete, looking up and being like, well, this is the sport I play and Pelé is the best. Like that does worlds for your motivation and your confidence going forward. So um, it was really saddening when, you know, he passed away. Obviously, you knew he was dealing with a lot of, you know, health conditions. But like, it's just the fact that when you lose a legend, like it just it hits, it hits differently. I mean, it's one of those things that like it, it, you're right. It does hit different. And for, I think it's one of those things that hits people, not just in the soccer community. Like you said, he was like that God level athlete that I think if you watch any sport, whatever your sport is, I think still there's like that recognition of like, wow, look at what this man was able to achieve throughout his career. And I think that you kind of like feel that trickle effect uh, around the world. That's the biggest thing. I feel like, and I would tell people it's like, you don't need to be the most famous person, most successful, make the most money, but it's like, we're all going to die at some time, you know? And it's like, how do people feel when you're gone? That's like a really good representation of like how many lives you affected and touched. And with Pele, like the whole world was mourning, you know, people who don't even like soccer, but they heard about what he brought to it. It just shows what type of person he was. And you know, he had far much more success off the field because his career was only a certain amount of years in his overall lifespan. So his ability to really continue to 
affect people in a positive way was huge. Um, well, listen, Mark Anthony, if people have not been out to a soccer game, what should they look forward to? We can talk Toronto specifically, but you've been able to play for many different teams. If somebody has not been out and got that full experience, what's in it for them? For MLS, for sure, is growing. I think uh, in the terms of the environment of the stadiums, they're becoming more fun and enjoyable. I think uh, the clubs understand how important it is to have real supporter sections that kind of just continue to inject that energy into a stadium. Um, so for, for new people who haven't watched soccer, it's like, go to these games. They're actually fun. I know there's this whole thing about soccer is a boring sport. There's not a lot of goals, which, hey, we should talk about because in football, right? Seven points is, well, six points is a touchdown, right? Like sometimes the games are like 21 <laughs> to seven. That's three to one, people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, he's not lying. So... Once you get over that, then yeah, right. no, you'll enjoy the you'll enjoy soccer because it's electric, it's fast paced, and it's really geared towards fans now to enjoy their their experience in the stadium. So hop on it; it's going to be big. There's a World Cup in 2026. Um, find a team that you support. Find a player that you're going to support. Find a country you're going to support. If you're American, support the U.S. Um, if you're Canadian, support Canada. Do but it. Uh, yeah, it's constantly growing, so it's it's a good time to get involved with it now. Is this a dumb question? Is 2026, is that in Canada? It's in Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Got yeah, it. Hell yeah. Three. Yeah. So it'll Very be nice. Very cool. Oh, really I cool. love yeah. that. Yeah, that'll be awesome. And now that's how I'm going to start scoring football. It's three to one. That's the way I see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever we can do to get more people to, yeah. to start following soccer. So. I love that. Well, dude, thanks so much for hopping on. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to the season. And next time I'm home in Toronto, I'm coming out to a game. So Perfect. get me Thank a scarf. You. I will be I there. It. Giddy up. <laughs> I got you. Thanks, Renee. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thanks so much, Mark Anthony, for hanging out with me, giving me a little bit of your time. Busy, busy. Everyone's on the road doing a million different things and trying to pack things into their schedule. So I always appreciate when someone can give me like it's not easy to ask someone. Can I have an hour of your time for a podcast? Um, I know everyone's schedules are crazy. So I always really appreciate when somebody can take the time and just like hang and not feel like they're rushing. He really didn't feel like he was rushing. I feel like we could have hung out for a while. Um, so thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, and for you guys, if you uh, are listening here on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you happen to be listening to podcasts, we are also on AMP. So download the AMP app. And we are on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. You guys can hang out there with us as well. So just turn on those notifications, subscribe, all of those great things. You can hang out with us there too. More sessions for everybody. All right, guys, until next time, this has been The Sessions.